Hi, uh, I'm Jeff Lowenfels. Welcome to Probiotic Life. This podcast is where we explore the intricate relationships between human health, soil health, and ecological systems. Join me now for another exploratory conversation on the probiotic life. Welcome to The Probiotic Life. I am your host, Ben Klenner. Well, today on the show, I'm excited to bring to you an interview that I did with Jeff Lowenfels. He is most well known for being the author of the book, Teeming with Microbes, uh, which he ended up writing a trilogy of those, basically, of teeming with microbes, teeming with nutrients, and teeming with fungi. Uh, And so today we talk to Jeff all about the probiotic life and what that means in terms of a soil perspective. Uh, If you haven't noticed by now, I am very passionate about the soil and soil life, building soil life. And if you haven't listened to, listen to the episode with Dr. Elaine Ingham. Him and Dr. Elaine Ingham, basically, uh, he learnt his stuff from Dr. Elaine Ingham. So, I ask him about how he came to write the book Teaming with Microbes and how he changed direction after giving 25 years of advice in a gardening column about uh, synthetic fertilizers and all that sort of stuff. So this is very interesting and I find it um, fascinating. He's, Jeff is a fascinating character and he's just lo- he was lots of fun to talk to. Uh, we touch on his book, teeming with nutrients as well, and then delve into Jeff's third book in the series, Teeming with Fungi. And then we talk about um, ecto and endomycorrhizal fungi. So um, for you fungi lovers out there, we talk about that. We talk about mushrooms. And then we talk about this cool thing called the microbiometer. Now, I'm, I'm keen to get my hands on one of these. Let me know if you have had any experience with this. Apparently, it's quite a new machine. Uh, but it measures the microbial mass density within a soil sample. So we talk about that um, and we and we generally just talk about how everything is connected, um, but especially in the soil. So let me know what you think about this episode. Uh, let me know if you are interested in more soil-based stuff or if you want to hear a bit more about fermentation or whatever else. I love hearing from you guys. I love your ideas um, and your encouragement. Um, And thank you for everyone who's given us rating and reviews. Uh, You can go to your preferred podcasting platform and give us a rating and review. Give us an honest review and rating. That would be great. And you can support us on patreon.com slash probiotic life. So without further ado, here is the interview with Jeff Lowenfels. Our guest today hails from Anchorage, Alaska, and is most well known for his book, Teeming with Microbes. Although he wrote this as uh, a single book, he ended up writing a trilogy. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, trilogy, and I guess I'm allowed to say this because... I guess people down there, you know, are following the Lord of the Roots kind of stuff. So I'm Lord of the Roots. Lord of the Roots. Yeah. Yeah. Not Lord of the Rings. Okay. I know you guys are sick of Lord of the Rings stuff in New Zealand. Oh, yeah. But you don't want to call an Aussie a uh, Kiwi. No, 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 no. And you don't want to say Lord. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I didn't realize we're talking Australia. We're in Australia. Oh, I thought we were talking New Zealand. Well, that's a whole different thing. Okay, all right. I've been to Australia. I haven't been to New Zealand. Right, okay. And I, I believe you've been to um, Perth, Western Australia. Right, right, exactly. What a terrific place that was, man. I, I was Well, it was very much like I th- like Anchorage used to be. But we can okay. talk about that some other time. Sure. It's not probiotic. That's right, yep. 
Well, um, you know, the probiotic life is all about how do we create life around us and trying to take the idea of probiotic more from a specific microbe into what does that mean, um, I guess, more philosophically, but probiotic for life, how do we create life around us? So we've been talking to all sorts of different people. We have talked to Dr. Elaine Ingham, um, uh, so people in the soil and then people who are more into the microbiology of the microbiome. Um, but Jeff really wanted to get your sort of take on the probiotic life as uh, you reading the uh, as you wrote the teaming with microbes. So let's start a little bit of of how did you come to write that book? Where did where did that evolve from? Well, uh, <clears throat> well, you'll understand this because you're in Australia, I think. I'm in Alaska. It's pretty far away from a lot of the markets of the world, and so I was working on a very large. LNG project, liquefied natural gas, which is nothing more than a transportation play. And everything out of Alaska is a transportation play. And a, a truck driver came into my office and he said, I have this soil that I that I used to drive by and now, I, now I've had it tested and it's got very high microbiology and it. it's very rich, very, very good soil. And I, and I want to ship it in bags to the lower 48 states which is a transportation question he was asking me, because I, I, but I also write the garden column in Anchorage, Alaska. And so he put the transportation and the gardening together and he figured I'd be interested in the soil. Mm. Well, I had no idea what I was looking at. Uh, you know, I was just beginning to get into the microbial world. Uh, and he introduced me to Dr. Elaine and uh, her writings. And the next thing I know, bingo, uh, this is this is my life. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had gotten I had gotten a, a, a picture of a of a nematode uh, being strangled by uh, you know a single fungal hyphae that started me on this stuff, and it just sort of coincided with the introduction of this soil. And and then I met Dr. Elaine, and in talking with Dr. Elaine, we got interested in compost tea, and we started a listserv. I don't even know if they have listservs anymore, but it was, you know, a, a, a computer group. And uh, we talked about compost tea and developments and experiments and tests. And uh, and she she enjoyed that. And one day she said, well, what else can you do? And I said, I can write you a book. And so I wrote the, I wrote the book for Dr. Eileen. And uh, she's obviously the guru of all of this. But, you know, her, her, her science and her ability to explain that science is different than my ability to explain the science. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. Uh, I am a garden columnist. I've been writing a garden column for over 40 years, every single week, never miss a single week. And garden columns are distillation of, uh, you know, what you're supposed to be doing for an entire week into about 700 words. And so I'm pretty good at distilling you know, long, complicated things into 700 words. And when you look at my books, and really a lot of books, you'll see that they're nothing more than 700 words, and then there's a little black, a black, darker piece of ink that talks a little bit more than you write 700 more words, and then there's another little dark headline and 700 more words. And so that's, you know, I, I got into this, and, and I discovered that this is fun. This is like writing garden columns, and so so that's how I got into writing the book in a in a long, boring nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it it is very interesting that the teeming with microbes is the book that I one of the first books on microbial ecology I started with, and I think me, me too. <laughs> And, 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 and that's that's such a great introduction to anybody who actually wants to learn understand about the soil food web, and um, and and everything about the soil. So I didn't actually realize that you had done it uh, in cahoots with Dr. Elaine Ingham. Well, well, it wasn't in cahoots. It was, I think she was as surprised as I was when the book was published. Um, but she did agree to write 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 the forward for it, right? Okay. And uh, and I and I and neither of us I, I neither of us thought it would sell as well as it has because you know it's 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 it was a pretty esoteric leap back in two thousand six when you read organic gardening magazines nobody ever talked about microbes I mean you know it was it, fungus were bad things and so uh, I remember 
being at a garden writer meeting here in the United States uh, of, of the Garden Writers of America. This is, you know, all the people write from the New York Times to the garden magazines that were, this is back in the day, 1996, I think it was. And I got up and she was there, she was speaking, but before she spoke, I introduced her and I said, how many people know what a mycorrhizal fungi, fungus is? And not one garden writer in the United States of America raised their hand. Not There were like wow. 850 famous people there. And, and, and of course, I didn't know what they were the year before either. So it turns out, obviously, that, that microbes are uh, important, obviously, from a probiotic standpoint, from a human perspective. But what happens in the gut happens in the soil. Same exact system literally the same exact system in so many different ways and it all begins in the soil really if we don't have soil we don't have food we don't have food you know we don't have guts that need protection with real probiotics uh and and uh you know soil is the basis of everything it's mm. the basis of our livestock our plants our building materials our uh you know it's retention of water uh, transfer of nutrients from the air and from from rocks into into usable forms, all because of soil, and and we've had this disease. Again, you can hardly shut me up, so just raise your hand when you want me to stop. <laughs> no, we've good. had this disastrous, disastrous experiment with chemicals uh, and a chemical system since since post World War II that 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 we've got to stop doing, or we are going to lose our soil, lose our microbes, uh, you know, and have anti-probiotic. It'll be uh, antibiotic, which is what it is. Mm. And, and so, to me, the whole experience of having this guy come into my office, having the fellow send me a picture of a nematode being strangled, meeting Dr. Lane Ingham, and then researching a book on what turns out to be an incredibly important thing, and it just caught the wave of people's understanding that we've got a problem and we've got to take care of it. Right. So it was really, it was really, um, you had the experience as a writer, but it was just catching that wave of this is, this is starting to come into people's consciousness and people just started really catching on. Well, yeah. And I think if you tracked my garden columns every week for, from the beginning, uh, when I started them in, oh, I don't know, 19... Gosh, I hate to even say it, 1975. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, or 1976 on, you know, I, was, I started out, I was the biggest user of, uh, let's just, I won't use the word because maybe we don't want the advertising, but I was the biggest user of a, a particularly blue powdered uh, uh, substance <laughs> and, and uh, really the biggest user ever. And in, in, 1996, I mean, I made the conversion to organics overnight as a result of learning about the soil food web. And, so it was that frankly, it was that strong of a case for it that you oh, said, oh, yep, yeah. I'll just drop the, the inorganics. Yeah. Absolutely. I went to my newspaper uh, and I said, you know, I, I feel terrible for the past 25 years. That's how long I've been right. I've been telling people to use these chemicals and I'm wrong. I've been telling people bad, I've been telling people really bad stuff. And in some instances, dangerously deadly stuff. And I'm going to change the way I'm writing about this stuff. I hope you don't mind. And they went, mm, we don't mind. And so they ran and they actually, you know how they have those newspaper boxes around, I don't know if they have them in, in Australia, but they have them in, in Anchorage, they have newspaper boxes where you can go buy a newspaper. Mm -hmm. And and there's an advertisement down at the bottom of the, of the box, big yellow boxes here and you know you put your quarter in or whatever it is and you pull the newspaper out but the bottom of the box it was my backside with a trowel in it and it said Lowenfels is going to turn his back on 25 years of advice in two weeks you know? <laughs> uh, and I did and I came out and I just I apologized and I feel terrible I, I you know I'm convinced I gave my wife cancer I don't know how many other people I've caused problems for because I was a big promoter of chemicals I was wrong they are they work but they're dangerous. They work in a way that's counterintuitive to nature, and they work in a way that's not – they work in an antibiotic way, not a probiotic way. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I mean, I had to fess up to it, 
and I had to, I had to, I had to explain to people who have been browbeaten by chemical uh, advertising on television and radio and print, uh, every gardening magazine back then because we had them. Uh, you know, had, were, were, they were all based on uh, you know these companies and their products. And so I had to give some science in an understandable way in 560 to 650 words, you know, uh, to convince people to, to stop doing what I'd been telling them to do for 25 years. And I had this unbelievable loyal following. And all of a sudden I'm saying, whoa, you know, it's sort of like a preacher saying, hey, you know what? There's no God. And, and uh, wow. not only is there no God, but I want you to, I want you to follow the devil. <laughs> you know, I was organic and. So it was a it was a very interesting experience. And what I discovered was uh, women in particular instantly, instantly was when they were there. I mean, it it was the following week. Um, a lot of the guys, a lot of the men, took a long time to convince them not to use chemicals and not to rototill. Uh, but a strange thing happened in the United States, and I don't know again whether it's happening in Australia. But you walk into the supermarket and you find organic foods there for sale. Mm. And if you're buying organic foods, you're going to be organic in your garden. It just it just doesn't make any sense not to be. Um, and so the organic food movement has made the organic growing movement very important. And then, of course, we've got cannabis uh, being approved. And, uh, you know, nobody wants stuff that's not organic in terms of putting it in your lungs. If you're not going to put it in your stomach, not organic. Why would you want it in your lungs? Under? So, you know, people are getting into the idea that we can do this without chemicals, and by doing so, uh, we rely on microbes, which is the whole point of, of, of teaming with microbes and, and really, frankly, the other books because it's the microbes that do all of the hard work for us and, and, and keep us safe at the same time. It's fascinating. They're just mm -hmm. And there's so much stuff happening. It's just incredible. The new stuff. We could talk about teaming with microbes. My suggestion is people should go out and just buy the book. You know, what I tell people is, you don't like the book, it's guaranteed. I'll buy it back at three times the price. Nobody ever does. Fifteen editions, printing. You know, eleven languages. Blah blah blah. Buy the book. We can talk about the book some some other time. But the microbial stuff we're discovering post the book. Oh my God, it's just unbelievable. Uh, and that's so, that's what I really wanted to get into because I think yeah. a lot of people have um, that do follow this podcast, they have heard about Team yes. with Microbes yeah. and yeah. or have, have read it or use it as a reference. Um, but mm -hmm. I did want to make a, a, a point in there before we move on was just admitting that 25 years worth of writing was going in the wrong direction. Like I know a lot of university professors wouldn't do that and they'll stick to their guns. So what, what was the – what? What was the thing behind that? What what really made you think? Yeah, I can I can change this around. Yeah, you know, uh, only once or twice in my life, and I can I, right now I can only think of a, one time. You know, learning something turned the light bulb on, and the light bulb was so bright. You know, it, it was all consuming. And, and the first time was when I when I studied geometry for some reason. Uh, you know, algebra, oh, my God, you know, it's terrible, you know, organic chemistry, ugh. but geometry, <laughs> holy crow, it clicked, you know, and it was one of those, it was the only time where I got a hundred in America, that's, you know, that's the A plus top grade, I got a hundred on the big test, you know what I mean, a hundred, I could go home and say to my mother, I got a hundred you know, instead of saying I got 98, mm. and she would say, what did you get wrong, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I got a hundred. Holy! It just clicked. It was beautiful, and to, it was art. It was beauty. It was symmetry. It was spectacular. And the soil food web, after I heard Dr. Elaine's lecture, was that to me. It was. It made so much sense. The pieces fit together. It was so logical that that to go back to a system that relied on killing microbes or altering microbes to the point where where you, the grower, had to become the microbes because you, you know, you destroyed the populations, and it just, whew, it hit me so hard that I just, I had to do it. Mm. It was just a compulsion, and I've been the same way ever since. And 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 every one of the books I've written has caused me to to have some unbelievable catharsis that's, 
you know, in a way problematic. I mean, when I wrote the second book, which is Teeming with Nutrients, you know, it's basically the first book, Teeming with Microbes, is how the microbes, microbes and, and the soil food web organisms that eat the microbes, how they create soil structure and bring the food to the plant. Because it is the microbes that do that. And it's the microbes that finally ultimately convert the organic material into the, the inorganic uh, material that goes into the plant. The second book is how plants eat. How they, once, once it gets there, how do they get it inside their roots? Yeah, you know, an absorption, that doesn't cut it for me. That, you know, how did, and what happens once the stuff gets inside the plant? You know, there are 10,000 different kinds of enzymes in every, different kinds of enzymes in every single cell in a plant. Wow. And there are 27 trillion cells. Now, those enzymes don't come from the soil. Those enzymes are made in every individual's, it began to be, it, all of a sudden things became mind-boggling uh, to me as I began to understand what happens inside a plant. One single plant just to produce something and then, holy crow, the similarities between that and and life on Earth, and you mm. and I, I, I like to think you and I were having a communications over over a network that's identical, and I mean identical to the network that operates inside an individual cell, or the network that operates from the soil into a root. A little calcium molecule goes bing and boom, all the way up through the top of the root, into the top of the plant, into out of the leaf. You get this discussion of, of, of by the plant of what it needs to do with all these 27 trillion cells. Holy crap. Blew my mind. And then the third one on this mycorrhizal fungi. Uh, you know, I mean, I had to write that one because there was so much that just putting in the, uh, an additional power, uh, chapter, which I did in the in the first book, uh, you know, and revised it. It just wasn't enough. I had to write the whole book. And mm. Holy crap. What these things do, I mean, my God, they're unbelievable. And in, and and where you guys are in Australia, oh my gosh, you've got you've got something, uh, you've got a slightly different network on top of the mycorrhizal network. You have these brachia bacteria, which we've got here in Alaska that they don't have necessarily in the in the in the lower forty eight states. Uh, you know, which which help pioneer plants bring nitrogen. I ah, it's just crazy. And, and okay, so, so I don't I don't know about these brachia bacteria. Well, uh, uh, there are there are uh, nitrogen-fixing bacteria, which you know about, because mm-hmm. farmers and gardeners use them. And then there's a, 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 a slightly different kind of bacteria, Nectinomycetes, that is called Frankia. And Frankia associate with pioneer plants. And so mm, okay. uh, here, here in Alaska, our pioneer plants are alders. We have alders. Do you have alders down there? Uh, no, have, not not in Western Australia, definitely not. What, what what's the pioneer plant that grows? Um, first? I, I, I'd probably say some sort of acacia that that really yeah. grows grows first here in Western Australia. There, there's definitely a few pioneers. Um, I think it's either yeah, I can't remember, but it's an acacia. Yeah, and how about uh, what, what do we call those trees? Uh, eucalyptus trees. Yep they they some of those grow. They're weeds, pretty much. Well, I mean, yeah, I know they're weeds in California. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, in California, they not only are they weeds, but they they have a special mycorrhizal fungi, a fungi that feeds it, and in return for getting carbon, so they associate with each other. That kills off some of the other mycorrhizal fungi in in the area. Fascinating. Oh, wow. But uh, but anyway, the mycorrhizal stuff. Holy crow! The network is incredible. And so so you've got you've got this Frankia stuff. Uh, and they're they're capable of breaking down, uh, you know, ni- uh, bringing nitrogen from the air and creating a usable nitrogen into the soil. So that's you know, a, that's so, a kind of actinomycetes. Yeah, and so what happens is you've got soils there that that are low in nitrogen, and all of a sudden you get a pioneer plant move in. You know, I like to say from the beach to the old growth forest. Well, we're on the beach side here. You know, you bring in these these uh, plants, and first. If you don't have any nitrogen-fixing bacteria, you have these actinomycetes. And so if you cut a, a, a root open, you'll see these nodules, these red nodules, are full of these little Frankie. They're fascinating. Mm. Uh, but, but, but there's so much stuff going on. I mean, the, 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 it's just 
this every day. I read a couple of four or five new articles. And I go, holy crap. Like Eumus. Let's take Eumus. Everybody should, should understand that Eumus used to be what people would call the end product of composting. Mm. Okay? You broke down the compost. You broke down the compost. It was organic material. You broke it down to the point where uh, it wouldn't break down anymore. And that that's Eumus, this rich, black, gorgeous stuff. You must have places in Australia that have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alaska's got it all over the place. It's beautiful, beautiful stuff. But it turns out it's not dead. Uh, it's not broken down in calcium organic material. It's microbes, dead microbes that, that were decayed, decayed, decayed until they couldn't decay anymore. So humus is dead microbes. Holy crow. Well, that, that has big implications. That means that Microbes don't n- normally die. What they normally do is they, they go dormant and they wake up again. Uh, if they die, then they disintegrate into this humus stuff. Mm. Oh, man. Uh, it's not dead plant material. Well, they feed the microbes, but it's – so it, ho- it gives a whole different cast to what you're doing, and it enables you to look at things and measure things differently. From mm. You know what the microbes are doing. Uh, so anyway uh, – you know, there are articles lately about when you go around and you take soil samples, you find the same bacterial mix, the same 511, not 510, not 514, but 511 bacterial families everywhere you go. And, 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 and so what does that mean? So that means in Australia, that means in Alaska – We've got the same 511 bacterial families. We've got other bacteria around, but those 511 are everywhere. Well, you know, now we can maybe, because we have DNA capabilities testing, maybe we can figure out, oh, something's not growing in an area because there are only 508 of them. I mean, the implications of what what, what we're about to find out and and be able to do. That's fascinating. You know, we talked to... um uh, Dr. Jack Gilbert, he's he uh, heads up the the Earth Microbiome Project, which is a a big project of trying to catalog all of the microbes, yeah. all the families. Um, Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that I think that's what a lot of people have said to him. Yeah. But yeah. but the process of actually just going through that's where we need citizen science. That's where we need um, people trying different things um, on sort of a citizen oh, yeah. science level. Um, so I'm, I'd like to fast forward a little bit into, you know, what are you actually doing these days? So you're traveling a lot, you're giving a lot of talks. Well, yeah. what's the new research you're talking about and, and what are you doing? Well, there are a couple of things that I'm fooling around with. The first, the, 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 of course, mycorrhizal fungi, you know, I'm trying to convince people, look, you got to have them. Mm. Uh, and so if you have to, if you got to have, you got to have them because 96% of the plants feed themselves by producing exudates, dripping them out into the ex sweat, dripping them out into the soil, attracting bacteria and fungi. Uh, and these fungi that they attract, uh, in particular, go out in return for, for that exudate and bring back all sorts of great things, nutrients for the plant to eat. And so, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're not treating your soil properly, if you're giving it the wrong foods, even organic, uh, if you're letting your soils go fallow for you know, a, a, a season uh, or even a month or even three weeks, you're ending up without mycorrhizal fungi. And so you need to understand those. And so I'm, you know, I'm working with a lot of people who are talking about them and working with them. Along mm-hmm. uh, these mycorrhizal fungi are two kinds of bacteria. Uh, they're, they're helper bacteria, basically. Uh, and, and some of them uh, help the fungi the mycorrhizal fungi, and some of them help the plant do the mycorrhizal fungi. So that, that's an area of interest. Uh, uh, the DNA testing that's beginning to be done on lots of different plants, particularly cannabis, is of great interest because what they're capable of doing in, in agriculture and in, in, in cannabis culture uh, now is beginning to key in on plants. If you've got a plant that's particularly healthy, why is that plant healthy from mm. a DNA perspective versus one that's not? And we're there. I mean, they're doing it right now. Uh, and that is a fat. So you have a plant that doesn't get powdery mildew. Everything else around it does. 
you're able to breed that plant uh, the right way because you can figure out what the DNA is. That's fascinating. And, and, and then from a, from a perspective of citizen science, uh, I've been fooling around with this thing called a microbiometer. Uh, okay. And yeah, I, I don't know if we talked about this, but it's uh, www.microbiometer.com. So what this thing does, it's a kit. And what it does is it measures the microbial density of your soil, right? So, and then you, 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 you measure it using the kit and you read the measurement card with your cell phone. So you have a record of, of what you've got on your cell phone. If you have a microbial density uh, you know, of a, the numbers range from 1 to uh, 2,000, if you have a number above 900, you don't need to fertilize because microbial density, all things equal, uh, is a indication of, of it correlates with nutrients in the soil. Mm. You have a lot of microbes in the soil. They're holding the nutrients in their bodies. Um, that that normally would wash away if you were using chemicals. So so this this test test kit is capable of measuring the microbial density in your soil. So you get a, a batch of compost. You want to test to see whether or not it's ever had chemicals in it, or if it's it's got enough microbes so that you don't care. You, you test it with this little kit, and it turns out it's a little five dollar test. You know, you do this test in ten minutes in your field or in your greenhouse or wherever. And the capability is phenomenal. So you can you can test right up against the rhizosphere and you can tell whether things are whether the plant is giving out exudates or whether it's about to go to flower when it That's stops. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Or you can you can uh, you can take a product uh, uh, and and throw it on your soil, test the soil before and then test the soil two weeks later see whether it's increasing the microbes if it's increasing if it's teeming with microbes you know if it's increasing the microbes it's teeming with the microbes that's exactly what you want to have happen you can take a compost pile uh, and determine you know whether it's mature or immature compost it's a neat little kit uh and it's brand new and and it's so new that people are beginning to figure out things to do with it so we got citizen science coming up the yin yang and and it's so much fun to do uh, you know, uh, one of the tests was of a, 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 a series of trees. One of the trees in, in a whole row of pine trees, every time they planted something there, it died. Test the microbial density, sure enough, it's 200. To the left and to the right of it, it's 850. Uh, so, you know, now the guy who plants there or the gal who plants there knows I can't plant there until I remediate this soil. Mm. Well, they wouldn't mm. have known. Anyway. That kind of stuff. That's so interesting. You know, it makes me think um, I'm a big proponent of Korean natural farming, which is sort of like uh, fermented inputs, if you're familiar with it. Um, Right. And what they found is that, you know, it takes really three years to adding these inputs to build that structure um, and the the tilth. Um, But also, it's when they test what's in the soil, it's not necessarily the microbes that are in the Korean natural farming inputs. They they enable the microbes, the beneficial microbes that are in the soil and actually um, building that up. So that's what I'm sort of interested about. And now you, then you just talked about um, uh, uh, mycorrhizal fungi. And I'm, I'm yeah. interested in all these mushrooms that are actually mycorrhizal fungi and producing mushrooms at the same time. Right. Oh, absolutely. Well, those are the ectomycorrhizal. So the endo are what you would use on annuals, um, but the ecto is what what is is a is usually trees, uh, some bushes, and uh, yeah, that's where some of the most delicious fungi come from. So here in Alaska, we have uh, uh, morels. Mm. You have morels, morels uh, there. We, Maybe, we uh, do have them. They're they're uh, few and far between in WA. Yeah. Well, there we have them. Uh, and and if you know where they where to look for them, uh, you know you can you can predict when they're going to come because uh, you discover in teeming with with uh, uh, fungi, uh, the third book, these little guys you know they they're, they're fungal hyphae, and the fungal hyphae come together. So you could look at a mushroom as and just unpeel it into a gazillion individual fungal hyphae. Mm. This is mind-blowing in and of itself. But but what I found so interesting and never realized until I wrote the book, 
they 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 sit in the ground these grouped together fungal hyphae in a little ball like sponge and when it rains it takes 24 hours and you got the full it's like one of those little sponge toys you know yeah. you put the water on it and 24 hours later boom you got a big gigantic mushroom it's because it's already formed sitting down there in the soil waiting for that water so there's a particular you know time of the year when you know when it's going to rain you're going to see those mushrooms Oh, my gosh. So they're all over the place. Uh, truffles, of course, are a mycorrhizal mushroom. Uh, we have the Amanita mascara here, the, uh, the incredibly, you know, reindeer killer, you know, the killing Alice in Wonderland mushroom. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the mushrooms here, and certainly any mushroom that anybody in Australia would see around a tree that wasn't otherwise mulched with, you know, bark or something, those are mycorrhizal fungi. Mm -hmm. Not that they're all edible. But those are definitely mycorrhizal fungi. The ones you see out in the middle of the lawn, maybe not. Uh, and and it's unbelievable. And then eucalyptus, very mycorrhizal. Uh, and if you don't have the right mycorrhizal, you can't grow a lot of these things. So, uh, you know, it was fortuitous that uh, when Leland Stanford brought the eucalyptus to America, he must have brought some soil with it because it had the mycorrhizal fungi associated with that. You know, how did that happen? Uh, that, yeah, they have brought up some of the soil. So now they're all over California. Fascinating. Thing. It is. It is it's very just... fascinating. You know, the the um, I, I'm getting more into mycology, starting to cultivate some uh, oyster mushrooms and oh, do yeah. do some of those sort of uh, uh, experiments because I'm really interested in, in that connection between the soil and our health. And it seems like mushrooms are actually a big part of that or can be a big part of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, uh, and of course I hope when you get your mushrooms that you then take them and turn them upside down in the sun for 24 hours. Cause that increases the vitamin D content in mushrooms. Mm, actually, I just and read that just the other day. Yeah. Tremendous amounts of vitamin D in mushrooms, um, which I didn't realize. The other thing of course is that if you don't cook them, they don't digest. And why don't they digest? Because they have a cell wall like like a thin little lobster or crab uh, uh, shell. So oh, is that, it's made of chitin. Yeah, and they're waterproof. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, you ever, you know, so you have to boil them and cook them. So, oh, I don't know, again, in Australia, whether you do this, I'm sure you do. But in the United States, you go to any restaurant, any salad you order – Someone sliced up a couple of mushrooms in it, but they're not cooked. Mm. You're not digesting those mushrooms. Think of the thousands of mushrooms you've eaten that you've never digested. But uh, you cook them a little bit, and that chitin just breaks up, and oh, there you go. There's a little food fact for you. There you go. Uh, yep. So let's see. What else? So the mycorrhizal fungi are, are to me, very similar uh, to some of the dendritic fungi that are in the stomach. It go through, uh, you know, the, the, they go through the membrane wall and they go out and they pull in different nutrient cells. And they, I mean, it's unbelievable the similarity. And these these the mycorrhizal fungi haven't changed in four hundred million years. They've stayed the same. Uh, it's very un, un, unusual and unbelievable, fascinating stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, so now uh, they're beginning to to talk about. Uh, you take a plant. Uh, and this one happened to have been an experiment they did on cannabis, but I'm sure it's it's very similar to to other situations. So you have that you have a zone around the roots that have microbes. Around the rhizosphere, you end up with a, a concentrated zone, and that concentrated zone is very similar uh, all around the place. And if you use the same soil, different plants, it's always, it's you know it's very similar. But then you end up with microbes inside the plant. Now, people don't talk about microbes inside plants. They talk about microbes in the soil. Mm, yeah. uh, they talk about mycorrhizal fungi, you know, invading into the root system, etc. But in fact, there's a whole world or, you know, microbiome of, of, of microbes that are inside plants. So where are they? You've got two different pathways in the plant. You've got the symplastic where you, where you go inside the cells of the plant and you're in the cytoplasm and you're, you know, uh, 
Uh, you're, you're in this soup, or you've got what's known as the aplastic uh, 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 pathway, which is in the cell walls, and they're all connected to each other. And inside those cell walls, you've got not only microbes, but you've got electrical charges, so you've got some nutrients in there sometimes as well. Uh, and so there's this whole world in there that, the, that, that people are beginning to study because those are part of the plant. And when you, you know, when you eat something, uh, you know, are you eating some of the, some of the microbes? Because microbes talk to each other mm. in terpene, in terpenes, which is you know flavonoids, and we get fascinating stuff. They have all these connections, and again, it's just. Blah! It's unbelievable. That, so that I want to touch on that. You know, that's, yeah. I didn't realize they they talk in terpenes. So these these uh, flavor molecules, basically. Um, yeah. And you know, we had we had someone on on the podcast a while ago talking about when when you eat something, you don't have to worry if it's um, uh, genetically modified because the, the, <laughs> you don't have to worry if it's genetically modified. <laughs> Cause me to cough. Here. Sorry, um, because <laughs> because don't? because we don't because we don't actually like our, our body, our stomach breaks down the DNA. But what what <laughs> I what I was questioning is actually our microbes exchange DNA, don't they? Right, and so it's, it's you know that's what that's the point. <clears throat> it's not it's the system inside your you know we're mostly microbes. We all have uh, Roundup in our bodies. Glyphosate. Every one of us has glyphosate in our bloodstreams. We didn't ask for, uh, and and of course that glyphosate impacts the microbes in our body. Why wouldn't it? It impacts the microbes in the soil. Why wouldn't it impact the microbes in our body? Of course it does. And so you know, I, I that's that's why it's not good. That's why you have to worry about GMO. It's maybe not the GMO itself. I, I'm not. I'm not capable of saying. <clears throat> but it's certainly the roundup that's used on the GMO that you have to do. For sure. Yeah. So there's there's yeah. a, a different system. And I think one thing that we keep coming back to here um, in this conversation is how if we we can either work with nature or try and enforce ourselves upon nature. And the latter doesn't actually work out for us very well, not for very long. Right. It's been a disaster uh, whenever we do it. And, and this goes back, you know, I think the first – white person to understand this was Humboldt. Uh, uh, and I don't know if the experience in Australia is the same as the experience here, but Humboldt was a, you know, a German scientist. And, and one day he noticed that there was an area where all these trees had been cut down and there was no bird life and the water was gone and, you know, vast changes had occurred. Uh, and he, you know, he started this idea that we're all connected. Everything's connected. Mm. And when you, you know, when you poke the balloon over here, you're going to get a you know a bulge over there, and 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 uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, I think a lot of his his teachings disappeared because he was a German in World War Two. Two, they said, okay, we don't want anybody using, you know, we don't want anybody learning anything about Germany and whatnot. Mm. But but uh, uh, you know, it, it, his writings, uh, I think people, of course, now that people talk about it all the time, we understand. You screw up one part of the system, and you mess up the other part. You kill off. You give your plants chemical chemical nitrogen. The plants are not stupid. They figure out they don't need to attract the nitrogen fencing bacteria. They don't need to attract the mycorrhizal fungi because it costs them energy to do that. And you're giving them the stuff for free. So all of a sudden, you, you know, you're 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 the you're the bottom of the soil food web. You're the bacteria and the fungi. And if you stop giving the plant what they, what you've been giving it, it can't feed itself because it's you know it doesn't have the systems working anymore. So, mm-hmm. yeah, everything everything is tied together, particularly when it comes to soil. You you change one thing in the soil, any of the physical things in the soil, that changes not only other physical things, but it changes the, the life in the soil. So if you change the pH, if you change the soil structure by compaction. Um, you know, if you if you uh, change the 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 the, the rototilling fineness of the soil, all of these things have a tremendous impact on on not only themselves but also where the bacteria are. When you cut a worm in half, you don't get two worms. You know, the whole system gets completely changed when you do something. So, mm-hmm. and again, I, I think everything starts with the soil. Everything starts. With the soil. Doesn't matter you know where you go. It's the soil. 
And everything is everything is all connected. I think you've done a, a really great job of explaining through the books of how everything is connected in the soil, around the plants. And, you know, I'm trying to make that jump between um, soil and plants and, and us as people in our microbiome. But also, you know, what are we learning? I, I'm interested to hear from you, Jeff. What is, how are some of the ways that it's actually changed you, whether it's your health or your philosophy or, um, you know, yeah. the things, lessons that you've learned? Well, for one, when you, you know, it, it, it's brought in the, into focus this concept that we are more bacteria than we are human cells. Mm. Um, I mean, that, that, that's a, a mind-boggling thing when you understand, what, you know, how bacteria operate. And you, and when, you, when you, you know, you, get it, you start to study them the way I do, uh, I mean, today I, today I saw a, 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 a video of a single bacterial cell growing out, I don't know what it was. It looked like a laser beam. You know, I have to go back and look at it and study it. But <clears throat> throwing out a laser beam and sucking out the DNA from dead microbes that were around it, from wow. a dead bacteria that was around it. It was astonishing. Um, and so when you look at that and you you know and you you think oh my god uh, they do transfer DNA and there's a pic not only a picture of it there's a video of them doing it uh, you know all of a sudden you, you realize that it's happening in my body all over the place uh, yeah of course it makes a difference when you inhale tobacco smoke because it's going to impact the you know the microbes and they're going to I mean my goodness gracious everything becomes you know, a little bit more focused in terms of, of the microbial life that's in us. Mm. In terms of the stomach and the intestines and the digestive system, it's exactly the same as the soil. Uh, you know, three-quarters of Americans have digestive problems. Uh, and I think once they begin to understand how, how, how things get digested in the soil, they begin to think about their body and the same thing happens. And, you know, we can change that stuff. We don't have to take the – we don't have to live the chemical fertilizer life. We don't have to eat the chemical fertilizer life. You know, it's fascinating how it all ties together. Uh, uh, and then, and then, of course, with the access of Google and you know, YouTube and all that kind of stuff, it's just it's there is so much out there. Anytime you have a question about anything, huh? Why? Why is the, Why is there a problem washing your hands? Ooh, you Google it, and you end up with videos that show you. You know what I mean? From yeah. a bacterial yeah. standpoint. Holy it's a mycelial network. Yeah. Well, and you know, again, it was only, it was only, again, I'm sorry, ramble on, but it was only five or six years ago, I think, that a bunch of bunch of students at Northeastern University, my my alma mater from law school, but not from undergrad, but um, uh, here it was in Boston, um, they discovered how to grow the microbes in the soil. One of the things Dr. Elaine taught me and, and and still teaches I'm sure is that it's you can't grow on a petri dish what's in the soil mm. you just can't grow uh, you know you can grow a tenth of a percent of what we you know but if you don't have the right food in the right environment you're not going to be able to grow the microbes that are in the soil so these guys figured out how to come up with a little teeny gadget you know it, it's about the size of Oh gosh, I don't even know what would be comparable. It's about the size of a Bic lighter, and it had a membrane in it, and they buried it in the soil with the bacteria they wanted to grow. So they got the bacteria and isolated it. That's easy. The hard part was getting it to grow. You couldn't get it the food. Mm. Wait a second, somebody said, why don't we just stick it back in the soil and grow them inside a little cell? Oh my God! So now we're able to we're able to grow individual cells that we find in the soil, identify them, figure out whether they can have antibiotic properties. I mean, they've discovered 15 or 20 antibiotics as a result of this system. And it's, you know, you think That's about it, it's pretty, and it's easy to do. The hard part for me and you is, you know, we don't have the microscopic capability, but you know, coming down the pike in the next five years, there's going to be an app on your iPhone that you're going to be able to take a picture of this stuff and somehow it's going to tell you the DNA of it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's coming. Uh, but can you imagine? It's only been five or six years that we've been able to grow up to 99% of what's in the soil, they say. 
Now we can grow the stuff. Wow, that's mind boggling. Mm. And and you know now there's the um, the community like bio labs where you can go and and do molecular biology as a citizen scientist. And I'm fascinated in that in terms of um, mycology, but there's so many applications for what we can do with that. It's like, it's like the beginning of the internet or beginning of of computers really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think you start to combine some of these things, you know, it's like uh, these home, home 3d printers, you know, they're just starting, but eventually, uh, you know, Oh gosh, I broke my microphone. You print a new one, you know, uh, you know, or oh my gosh, I I've just bought a new headset. You know, and you you download the instructions for your printer. But we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be able to do stuff. We're gonna be able to do CRISPR uh, with with microbes. We're gonna be able to do all sorts of stuff. Now, some of it's gonna be dangerous, you know, to the world. But uh, I think it's I think it's the future is 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 here. But it's mm. getting mm-hmm. it's getting. Whew, so all the mycorrhizal fungi that we don't know about, we can only produce about 18 or 20 of them. Uh, we're going to be able to mass produce more and more and more of them. Uh, the reason we can only produce 18 or 20 of them is they require a plant in order to be able in order to be able to produce them. So it's, you can't just do it in a lab. You have to have a growing plant to produce them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're going to find uh, mixtures of bacteria, uh, soil bacteria that you can add that help the mycorrhizal fungi uh, work better. We're going to find independent, uh, meaning uh, non-plant, nitrogen-fixing bacteria that we can multiply and sell commercially so that we can add nitrogen to the soil uh, even without a plant in it. We're going to find all sorts of microbial inoculants that are going to do things to plants, including, I think, change the way they taste, change their nutritional value. Mm. Um, uh, but we've got to get away from the chemical, the, you know, the chemical idea. It just hasn't worked properly. So, so this brings up, this brings up a really interesting point, Jeff, of it, it sort of sounds like we have all this technology or, and discovering all this technology and now it's starting to come, um, more accessible, available, sort of like giving right. a kid, you know, fireworks or whatever, right. you know, like what is, then it gets into philosophy of what are we actually doing with it? And right. I, I'm interested to hear, because you're traveling so much and talking to so many people, what are some of the commonalities of what you think are some uh, really good ways of looking at using this technology? Well, you know, it's, of course, I speak to lots of different groups. So I speak to Let's put let's put it into garden club groups. I speak to farmer groups, viticulture, uh, and then I speak to cannabis growers, hemp growers, um, and it's it's interesting. I think the the commonality is everybody wants a better plant. Everybody wants a healthier plant, and and everybody wants to be organic. Uh, it's 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 you know the big difference is the farmer group relies and and. The, the cannabis hemp group would rely on it as well, except that the regulations. But the, the, the farmer group is so reliant on chemicals that to get them to convert is, is, to, is to put their livelihood in jeopardy if it doesn't work. Mm. And, and so the products that are available at the beginning of, this, of the spectrum, you know, it's hard to convince them to use it. Uh, but as more and more established companies like, you know, Bayer and et cetera, et cetera, start to get into this field, uh, the acceptance goes way up. Um, um, but I, seed inoculation is big, very big. Mm. Um, and seed inoculation from a mycorrhizal fungi perspective, uh, it's an easy thing to explain to people uh, because seed inoculation we've been doing with nitrogen fixing using rhizobia, uh, fixing, you know, when you put, plant a pea plant, you roll it in this stuff. Gardeners, farmers, doesn't matter, you know, use it. Uh, and so that's, 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 that's definitely here. No-till is big. Not disturbing the soil because that destroys the soil food web, uh, alters the soil food web in a big way, uh, and that's big across the board. Um, the f- federal government here, the, uh, the Department of Agriculture, is now getting behind no-till because in America we're losing two to three inches of soil a year. That's a tremendous amount of soil. Yeah, it is, it's just yeah. blowing away. It's eroding. Um, 
Let's see. And there's um, something like 60 cycles left, isn't it? There were some people calculated 60 cycles left right. of, of right. agricultural right. Um, seasons. Very scary. Very scary. Um, then there is a recognition that, uh, uh, you know, that some of these things it can be used to manipulate. So, for example, to grow trees in the prairie, all you got to do is bring in the mycorrhizal fungi. So you want to do mass scale planting, you got to make sure that you've got mycorrhizal fungi on your plants to reforest, reforestation, mycorrhizal fungi, big time. Mm. Uh, you know, all these little teeny seedlings they put in the ground, they dip them in a mycorrhizal dip. Um, so people are, are that, and vegetable garden, you know, people are, the home growers are, are into the, 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 that kind of stuff. Um, here in the United States, there's a movement to cut back on phosphorus. Phosphorus is a limited uh uh, we're, we're almost at peak phosphorus, which means that, that we, we don't have any more uh, and we're going to either have to recycle or go or do without it, which we can't do because it's one of the major nutrients for mm. plants. Uh, so you don't find phosphorus in, in uh, uh, lawn foods and in gardening. Uh, that's also bolstered mycorrhizal fungi because they are capable of going out and getting phosphorus that's locked up in the soil. Um, so that's sort of an interesting trend that's everywhere. Um, what else? Well, let's, let's just touch on that. The, the, the phosphorus, yeah. you know, uh, I, right. I, I know, uh, Dr. Lane Ingham is very adamant, you know, that we don't need to bring in more phosphorus that the, that the right. mycorrhizal fungi can actually bring it in. Right. What, what's the thinking behind, um, why people are afraid of that? Well, I think for, you know, first of all, a lot of people don't understand the role of mycorrhizal fungi. Uh, I think a lot of people... Uh, don't understand that if you use too much phosphorus, the mycorrhizal fungi don't grow uh, and maybe don't even infect. Um, and I think people don't understand that we are at peak phosphorus and how important it is to make sure that we preserve what we have, use it for what we need to use it for, and not waste it. Uh, the mycorrhizal operation is is how it works. We we. We, because of the chemistry of, of, of phosphorus, we pour it on our soils mm. when only a little teeny bit of it gets into the plant because it's locked up chemical uh, or, or it's washed away. And so uh, it's just a disaster in the making and we've got we've to pay attention to this. really important. So if it, it gets, if it gets washed, washed away, where, where does it go? Why, why is people afraid that well, we can't goes, get it back? Here in the United States, it goes down in the Mississippi Delta. Yeah. I suspect down. I suspect in Australia, it goes into your lovely reef, uh, and that's probably not that good for it. No, I would no. suspect. Mm -hmm. um, so, so these are these are you know these are bad bad things to have happen, and 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 again, it's a waste. You know, this is this is a, something we're almost out of. It's just a terrible, terrible thing. Um, here in you know here in the United States. Uh, you know, they pour it down. It goes down to the Mississippi Delta. We have this eutrophication area. And it's not just farmers. It's, it's gardeners. Home gardeners in the United States use four times as much nitrogen and phosphorus as, as uh, um, you know, as uh, uh, farmers. So it's a real problem. It's a mm. real problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a problem worldwide. I'm sure it's a problem in Australia. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. You know, the uh, the Swan River that comes runs through uh, Perth City. It, yeah. it, it's just been it's been decimated basically uh, compared to what it was like. I think uh, one figure it's probably don't quote me on this, but it's something like about ten semi trailer loads of um, nitrogen or nitrates per year oh. getting dumped into the yeah. river, and four semi trailer loads of phosphorus dumped in. No the wonder river. they they looked strange at me when I went swimming at Rottenhurst Island. Yeah. You weren't in that water. Oh, no, yeah. Rottenest Island's okay. That's in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, it looked pretty good. Look, that one looked pretty good. But yeah, we were on this one. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, and and all of this can be prevented. It's just a shame. Uh, the mycorrhizal fungi operate so cleanly, so, you know, so naturally. It's just uh, it's sustainable agriculture. And mm. it's happening. Uh, you know, Australia, I sell a lot of books in Australia, not as many as I want. Uh, but, but mycorrhizal fungi, there's a tremendous amount of research being done in Australia. Uh, and in fact, a lot of the pictures in my in my talk on mycorrhizal fungi and in the book come from uh, Australia. Um, so, and I think there's a, there's a recognition of the importance of all this stuff. I mean, the soil microbes 
people in Australia have recognized forever. I, I remember, I remember being at the airport and seeing people get rejected. Their their golf shoes couldn't get in because they had a little bit of soil underneath the cleats on their golf shoes. Mm-hmm. As I was standing there trying to get through customs, you know. Uh, well, that's because they were concerned about microbes coming in. So there's an understanding. There's a soil food web lab in Australia, uh, at least one. Uh, and and I know there are classes given all over the place, and, and uh, it's it's important because because organics are important. Not poisoning everything is important. Not you know causing the soil to go bad, which will cause you know the kangaroos to die, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a bad thing. So we got we got to we got to be clean. We got to be probiotic. That's, That's right. It. Yep, and and we're gonna we're gonna suggest to everybody to to get this at least teeming with microbes, if not all three. Give them a good read. And what what are some of the the final uh, things that you want to leave us with? Uh, words of wisdom, whether it's philo- philosophy or citizen science or or, or humor. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I guess what I really want to is gee, Willikers, get me down there to give lectures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think I think it's I think people would would do well to simply put into their search engine uh, the word soil food web, and every couple of days, or maybe even every day, sometimes twice a day, you will get an article on the soil food web. And you'll know which ones you want to read and which ones you don't. But but it, it is the best way to stay up to speed, uh, particularly if you if you if you go soil food web scholar. Uh, and you'll end up with you know some some scholarly articles, uh, and and uh, you know you'll you'll be on the cutting edge. And I think it's important to be so because uh, we've been doing stuff so wrong to 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 finally be able to o- open up the curtains and be able to see the right way to do stuff means we should do it right away. Uh, and I, it's that black and white in terms of what's what we've been doing. So anyway, that's sort of where I come from. Silly me. Fantastic. Well, I think that your uh, enthusiasm uh, really is contagious, Jeff. And uh, we just thank you very much for being on The Probiotic Life. Before we finish up, just want to uh, give you an opportunity to share where people can get your books, where they can, uh, uh, where you're teaching uh, or speaking around the, I guess, the US mostly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I speak all over the place in the United States, but I think, you know, the cheapest place to get it, of course, is Amazon or or whatever counterpart your country has uh, of Amazon. Uh, Of course, you can't get it autographed like you can if I'm if I'm there in person. Um, But I think that's the easiest way to do it. And for goodness sakes, you know, buy it. Don't steal it off the Internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And once you get it, you know, the first book had. 20 rules, and it still has 19 of them, I think, in the back of it. Soil food web rules. The last rule was, do not lend this book to anybody. Make them buy their own copy. But anyway, <laughs> it, is, it is guaranteed, and if people don't like that that first book, I'll buy it back. I mean, it's that simple. It, it, it is a life changer. It changed my life, uh, and I think when people read it, they'll agree. Not because of the way it's written, uh, but because the subject matter is something that they should have taught us in school and didn't. Uh, they should have taught us in the army, but didn't. Uh, you know, it's just so important that we understand the soil food web. It is the basis of so much of our lives, of all of our lives, mm-hmm. every bit of our lives, really. Fantastic. I think that's uh, wise words to uh, finish up by. So thank you very much, Jeff, for being on The Probiotic Life. My pleasure. Come on up and visit, uh, you know, Anchorage, Alaska one of these days. Well, I might take you up on that. My folks actually live in uh, Vancouver, BC. So, oh well, there you go. So you're used to you're used to a little bit of cool weather up here. Yeah, yeah. And now that I'm getting into mycology, I'm I'm like, oh, actually, Pacific Northwest. Yeah, that's a pretty good place. Oh. To- yeah, we'll go find Paul Stamets, and uh, you know, we'll go look for some. Uh, we'll go look. We'll go look for the mycelium running. Fantastic. Hey, a pleasure. All right. Cheers. All right. Thank you. I love what Jeff said there, that the soil food web is the basis for all life. You know, we can't live without it. So I really had fun interviewing Jeff. You can tell he's just a fun guy to chat with and and to be around, very passionate about uh, what he talks about. And thank you all for listening. 
We'd love to hear your feedback on this episode and any other episode. And while you're um, thinking about some feedback, be sure to give us a rating and review on your preferred podcasting platform. And I'd love to hear how you are creating a probiotic life around you. Once again, thanks for being with us today. May the beneficial microbes be with you. And until next time, cheers. Thank you for listening to The Probiotic Life. You can find us on Facebook at The Probiotic Life, on Instagram, The Probiotic Life, and on our website, theprobiotic.life.